Now you can afford to pay for this respite care, and now what can you do? You can actually go out and begin to care for yourself. Because ultimately, that's what I always say, there's just two people that you're taking care of, and you're one of them. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator. I work with family caregivers to help them work through some of the often difficult behaviors that are associated with dementia. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate, and I also work with caregivers. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. No, I won't forget your grape juice, that's for sure. I appreciate that. Back when you were taking care of my dad, you had a couple of notepads. And in those notepads were different situations with different information, up to and including a meds list. And you lugged them back and forth to doctor visits. Well, you know, a notebook isn't too much to lug, but I had my go bag and that had a lot of things in there, including right. a change of clothes and snacks and always had his complete list of medications and, and appointments and that kind of thing. I also tracked his meals because he often forgot that he'd eaten. Right. Um, so I'd have him, I'd mark down what he ate and have him, have him sign that. And we kept track of other functions as well. <laughs> <laughs> And that brings us to today's guest who noticed some inefficiencies in the organization and quality of care families and their loved ones endure and decided to educate families on two things. First, proactive care is always the best care. We don't have to wait until we need the care to set standards on how we are cared for. And secondly, when caregivers change, care shouldn't. Please welcome to Roger That, Mike Michelle. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today, and we absolutely want to hear about these wonderful things that you want to share with our listeners. If we could start off a little bit telling us about what brought you into this world, any personal caregiving that you did, what inspired you to do what you do. Certainly. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Michael, for having me. Um, well, my name is Mike Michelle. I'm the founder of Care Trainer. And what brought me to this point of getting in this caregiver journey, this caregiver space was my background is actually in health science and pre-physical therapy. And while doing some um, rotations and shadowing, I end up running into a gentleman. Um, I met him actually in a nursing home. Um, he was not the same person I end up meeting him at him in his home. That was not a great experience. He was on drugs. You know, they, they when you're in nursing homes, they tend to give you a lot of medication. So he was not himself. Right. And me walking into the room was like, get the out of here. And I was like, I never want to see that guy again. But then I wanted to get into the home care space and see how that was. And guess what? The first home that I was sent out to two weeks later was that guy's home. Oh, no. <laughs> I walked into the house and I seen that guy and I was like, no, it can't be that guy. Um, but lucky thing, I stuck through it and, and, and we created a bond. And, and that's when my journey really began um, at that juncture. It was, I clearly... Uh, stepped into that role, and I wanted to simply help a friend out um, to help solve some of those inefficiencies that I saw in their care plan. And it typically came with problems that you face when you see new caregivers coming in. Um, but unfortunately, uh, he passed away during COVID, and I did not have the opportunity to, um, I felt like I was late. I did not have the opportunity to solve those problems or give them the solution that I had. 
And now I'm on this journey of saying, hey, let me help out all the other kids there to help avoid the pitfalls that I did um, and just avoid some of the issues that I came upon, which is just not taking care of myself, uh, lack of self-care, my body shutting down and helping them to save themselves time so they actually can get to a place of, hey, being proactive rather than reactive. So you're supporting the family caregiver? Yes. Um, there is, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of uh, software out here for the big agencies, for the home care agencies. There's a lot of those. Um, and me coming from a space of working from both sides as a professional caregiver and taking on the role as a case manager, I was so entwined and so involved in Doc's care is the gentleman who I cared for. He had family. I took over I took over his his care as a case manager. And be, coming from both sides, I realized that families didn't have all the necessary tools that they needed. Like every the, the agencies had everything they needed, right? They had the caregivers, they had the software for them, but the family was left with nothing. At the end of the day, I took the same route that you took. I thought that that was the most efficient way to do things. Every home that I went into um, prior to settling down with Doc is when you go somewhere and you see things are done a particular way, you tend to fall in line, right? I, every home I go into, I see binders, I see some sticky notes, I see some plasters all over the wall, and this is how things were done. So I said, hey, this had to be the most efficient way. And that's why I was wrong because when I got into that space and I noticed that was the way things were, families weren't really left with anything. When their caregivers leave, how do they hold them accountable? When I'm not there, I have to work to keep the lights on, right? So how do I keep these lights on if I can't be there? How do I hold them, these individuals coming in accountable for the things that I want done that I'm paying my hard-earned money for? So that's, that's what I like to do, change the narrative of families saying, hey, I want more control. I feel like, uh, I think like families should be in the center. They should be the nucleus of everything in the healthcare field. I agree. Right. And it, it doesn't happen. Yeah, it does not happen. So it, it's an app, correct? That's correct. And, and a, again, you stated that this is for the family caregiving team. Yes. And by team, I mean the family caregiver and anybody else coming in from the outside, like hired caregiver when uh, the caregiver, family caregiver is not there. Yes, absolutely. Me as the family caregiver, I have an app and I enter data into the app. Yes. How does the professional caregiver, so to speak, or another family caregiver have access to that information that's on my app? I think that is certainly important and a great question. Um, so I'll, I'll break it down into you like this. Simple, simple four steps, right? Okay. You go in the app store, you, you download the app. One thing I've realized in this journey is that we all have binders. We all have our processes in place. What I'm hoping to do is not replace the binder right at this juncture in time because caregivers were already overlooked. And I think the binders, when you take those to um, when you take those to doctor's offices, it puts you on an even playing field. Right. So I don't want to get rid of something that you've put so much hard work and dedication into. I want to enhance it and add this three dimensional aspect to it, because one thing binders cannot do is that they cannot share the small nuances that truly makes personalized care personal, right? Without you physically being there. So what you'll do is you'll download Care Trainer on the App Store. It's available for Apple and Android. From there, you'll create a profile. Think of your binder. Your binder has some information about your loved one. You create a profile 
uh, that section is divided into four sections. In that profile, you can tell somewhat about your, your loved one, you know, give them more intimate details. They're more than a forest. She was a teacher. She was an artist. She likes to watch Andy Griffin. Give more details. Secondly, you have a medication list on there. And on that medication list, you have a current and a non-current. Because what happens when EMT calls out or you have to go to emergency room, doctors want to know both. What is the current medication and what is the prior medication, especially when it comes to antibiotics. Uh, in that section, you also have a doctor's list. Write down the doctors, who are the doctors, and you can also write notes in there. We have too much going on in a day, right? Mm -hmm. So when it's time to go back to the doctor, you've already written that note, a catalog of notes. This is the conversation I want to have with this doctor when I go back in. And then finally, you have, um, Bobby, you mentioned um, you wrote down everything for your father, right? Um, so in there, we have dietary restrictions. What are your food restrictions? What are your allergies? Uh, your food puree is it thickened? That's the first section, Mike. Next, we get into the calendar function. And in that calendar, we allow, uh, currently what we're currently working on to enhance is allowing the family caregiver and the loved one to combine their calendars, right? So it's all in one place. And then we divide that calendar into two. So you have the calendars, all the ADLs of what's happening. You can go in, if you're someone like Bobby that is very detailed, you can go into that calendar and give more detail. When dad awakens, you give him uh, a cup of coffee, one third cream, a sugar, and a piece of banana, and watch this news for 30 seconds, right? Then you have the events, which is a doctor's appointments, uh, grandkids are visiting. Now we get into the other aspect, which is the walkthrough videos. You typically spend most of your time in four sections of your house. Right. So the living room, the bedroom, the bathroom and the kitchen, your loved one will go. So what we've done is we've divided this section into those four sections and you can go into each section and record a care video of the care that transpires in there. So let's use the bedroom. If your dad is transferred into the bed with a sliding board, you'll record that. But let's say if your dad falls and he now has to be transferred with a Hoyer lift you'll remove that video and add the Hoya lift video. Because one thing you do not want to do with caregivers is leave, leave anything to their perception. That's what happens, what I feel like happens with binders and sticky notes. Have you guys ever read a book together and you both left with a different perception of what the book was about? Right? Mm -hmm. So it's like that. Oh yeah, we have we have very different brains. We you know <laughs> we see things from a from a different from a very different world. And I'm glad that you mentioned the video because that's one of the things that I wanted to ask. Certainly. And what I often recommend is when your family members who are far away, or when you go to the doctor's office, if you if you can have a video showing some of the behaviors that you're concerned about, it has a bigger impact than if you're just sitting there trying to tell them. And sometimes with family members, it, it creates a big disconnect because they often don't see what you see. Yes, most definitely. And not only family members, but we had the situations where we had to take the, the video of my dad to give it to the doctor because the doctor really wasn't connecting dots with us. Mm. And it wasn't until we actually showed him the video that he had his aha moment as to what was mm. going on. Well, you know... the. I had seen signs that that Mike's dad um, had Parkinson's disease, mm. and we were going to see the neurologist. And Mike's dad was really good at hiding symptoms when he was in the doctor's office, which very often happens with people um, 
uh, that we're dealing with. True. And the doctor said to me, I don't see any signs of Parkinson's disease in in your father-in-law. And I said to him, if you go down the hall and wait five minutes and come back, you'll see it. And what he said was, I don't see anything now, and I have another appointment. Call and make another appointment if, if you continue to see this. And I said to him, what do I need to do? Do I need to videotape it? And he said, why don't you? Well, at that point, it was setting up a tripod and a big camera. It wasn't just using <laughs> your phone. So, you know, what you're talking about, what's available on your app, is going to be so helpful for so many people. Yes, I appreciate that. Yes. So now we're at the we're at the final part where now you've done all the hard work, right? You've combined all this information. You've put it all in one place, just like your binder. You've put it all in one place. Now, to answer your question, Mike, Michael, it's how does the family, visiting family members that's coming in town to give you respite care, how does new caregivers coming in, how do you give them this information? Now you're at the place where you can invite caregivers. And this is to simply show them all their uh, activities of daily living in one place. You send them an invite. They uh, get the invite code. They put it in their phone. They have the app and voila. They have everything. Now, in addition to that, what they're allowed to do is they're allowed to see all the information and leave you care notes. Now, this is the way when I speak about accountability, you have timestamp documentation that you're able to save. We're also able to flag notes, right? Because it's for Doc had Doc had 24 hour care. So I will have several different notes. But if you flagged it and say, all right, this is the most important one out of all these notes, I can go to it and I can begin my process of who do I need to call? Who do I need to inform? Well, that would have been so helpful for us. Mike's dad had severe dysphagia, which meant his food had to be pureed and liquids thickened and all of that. And very often in a hospital setting, they have automatic processes. You know, the they would bring a tray of food, mm-hmm. especially when an early admission thinks that he wasn't allowed to eat and could end up with an aspiration pneumonia, something like that. And I actually did end up putting up signs in this hospital room, no straws, thick and liquid only, pureed foods. And even then things got passed if I wasn't physically there. So if I could have had this and I could have flagged that immediately, you know, pay attention to this, it could have made a big difference. Yes. Another way that would have been a tremendous help for us is on occasion, I would take my dad to one of his doctor's appointments. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would go, and there would be the consultation with the doctor, this, that, the other thing, and we would come home, and Bobby would say, well, did you mention this? Did you talk to him <laughs> about that? What did he say about such and such? And I would, uh, you know, uh, that one-syllable word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so to her, that was the cue, right, that, mm-hmm. okay, Mike can't. Mike can't play anymore or only on rare occasions because, as she said, our brains were completely different. I would listen to the doctor, and while he was talking, I'd think of something else, not what she wanted me to think of. (laughs) And then when she would ask me questions, it was, um, yeah. uh, And, of course, then I would get the eye roll and the stink face. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. 
goodness. But that would have, that would have been a tremendous help in that situation because I could have looked at the app then. Is what you're saying is I could have looked at the app then, and I could have made sure that I covered the points that needed to be covered. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, to Bob, Bobby, you mentioned that uh, Mike's dad had dysphagia, and that was one of Doc's biggest problems that uh, I manage his care for. And one of the things that we had to do is we had to do continuation exercises to make sure he can strengthen that. And there's a certain, you know that this, that there's a certain way that they're going to teach you to have him swallow, right? Mm -hmm. To tuck your chin, swallow, avoid any distractions, no talking when he eats, sip of water, all of those things. And when you simply write that down on a note of, hey, this is the process. If he starts to cough, you know, don't panic. Like, I just want you to go through these these phases, like ask him to sip of water, um, you know, clear his throat, tuck his chin, then begin to go through these exercises. And that was one of the most difficult things because that was one of our biggest problems. That's what landed him in the hospital. Absolutely. Several yeah. times with aspiration yeah. pneumonia. And, you know, being a, a, an Italian man with, a, you know, a, a mom that cooks this wonderful food, that's not how he ate. And mm -hmm. that was such a difficult thing for him. And I would end up having him, in addition to what you were talking about, mm -hmm. count to 10 before, and then he'd go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Aren't so they then, smart? <laughs> and then, so then, you know, was, you need to count slowly. And then I would put my finger on his hand so he wouldn't raise the spoon or whatever it was. Yes. It was very frustrating. I mean, dysphagia is a really difficult process to deal with for so many people. And yes, and explaining it to other people. I remember our daughter seeing me do that with him and she was she was horrified. She said, I think I would just let him go ahead and eat because, you know, quality of life. Exactly. And if you have somebody coming in who really doesn't understand that this is life-threatening, the aspiration pneumonias and yes it's not the best way you you want to do this but this is what you need to do that's correct it's it's not um it's not about convenience that's correct it's about proper care that's correct and keeping the person that you're responsible for safe and by the way i got really good at making pureed foods yeah yeah i mean i i would puree potato salad, I would puree, I pureed a sandwich once, a tuna sandwich for him. Um, pureed pickles don't work. Pureed pickles don't work. <laughs> did, he, did he ever look at the pureed food like, oh, what is this? Oh, yes, of course. But, you I've know, my, my, goal, <laughs> my goal was nutrition and flavor. Uh, and so if I made these stews with all these vegetables in them and pureed them really fine so he could eat them, uh -huh. they, they may not look the most appetizing, but Every now and then he'd say, this is like my wife made, and I knew it wasn't, but at least it was close enough gotcha. that, he, that he was okay with it. But I tried to, you know, whatever food he want, he liked, I tried to create a puree that would touch that in some way. Yeah, she would, um, you know, like a vegetable soup with hunks of vegetables in it. Instead, she would make it like a vegetable puree and then thicken mm. it. Gotcha. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, a vegetable bisque. Yes. And and thicken it a little bit, so you had the taste of of the vegetable soup, and you had a soup like substance that oh this is soup, Dad. Oh okay, I like soups. 
But he said he he had said one day, if I don't get a sandwich soon, I'm a goner, because he loved to eat sandwiches. <laughs> don't you love that humor? Doc would yeah. always say when I first gave him the puree food, he's like, "Oh, this looks like crap." He, you know, he was very blunt and straightforward. This is like crap. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. We had to always present the food to him, and then cut the food up. Originally, I had to present the food to him, and then I started pureeing my own food when we ate together. Mm-hmm. Then I realized I can give it to him, show it to him, and then begin to, you know do it dissected in front of him so you know somebody new coming in was like yo he doesn't want to eat no uh, let me tell you why he's an eater exactly you know she mentioned about the uh, uh tuna sandwich what she did was she took the bread and pureed the bread and laid it down and then pureed the tuna i believe most of the time it was with chicken broth uh the different purees that she did and then put that over top and then put some more pureed bread over top of that, so it actually looked like a sandwich, except that wow. it was soft, <laughs> pureed food. So she was pretty good at that. Wow, creative problem solving. I, you yeah. know, I often say exactly. creative problem solving. <laughs> exactly. And just like your recommendation, show the food first, then go puree it. Um, that's that's a good solution too. Yeah, most definitely. But you know, families already have so many so many like problems that they need to finish and think of and think through that it's one of these things that how can I begin to take more off your plate? You know, like for instance, like when Bobby said he went and he can no longer play because when he came back, he did not ask the right questions. It's like, all right, well now that's what, that's what allowed me to go into that. I'll do it myself syndrome. Like, well, yeah. And then that's what the trickle effect is. Is like, well, I guess I might as well be the one here because either you're not doing it right or, you have your own perception of how to do it. Yeah, and that's yeah. exactly what happened. It all fell on her shoulders. She didn't have that once a month or whenever relief of actually not having to deal with that schedule. Yeah, And, and, and again, it comes down to I working hard to avoid problems. Mm-hmm. Mike's like, if it's not a problem today, I'm not going to worry about it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, even things like scheduling medications, you know, keep them precise. Mm-hmm. And he would be like, well, he's he's napping. I'm not going to wake him up. And they're like. Mm. So, you know, we had a number of discussions about that. Energetic discussions. <laughs> <laughs> but you're providing family caregivers with this vehicle that explains why it's important to keep the medicine on schedule, why it's important to process his eating in certain ways. Wish we'd had you then. Yes. <laughs> I wish I could have been there. Problem is we're talking about 17 years ago, 15 years ago, 18 years ago when we were doing this. So that cell phone, the smartphone wasn't in existence then. And apps weren't in existence then. So, But we here's were- the thing, Mike. Why are we still doing things that was done 15 years ago? Why exactly. are we still doing it like this way today, right? So nothing has changed truly and honestly in our space. We're still doing things the same way that we've been doing it since back then. Well, well no, I, I agree with you there. I'm just talking about we wish we had it then. We would have ah. certainly used it, but we were a- ahead of our time or behind <laughs> our time or something of our time. Now all it leads to is what? Respite care. All you need is respite care from time to time. Now you can afford to pay for this respite care. And now what can you do? You can actually go out and begin to care for yourself. Because ultimately, that's what I always say. There's, there's two people that you're taking care of. 
And you're one of them. Absolutely. So you need to find some time to take care of yourself. And I think that's the only way we can do it. We have to solve some of the bigger problems, which is the financial issues, which is actually finding time to actually afford the care. And then eventually after you do all that, finding time to care for yourself. You know, it's interesting when you were talking about you have to sit down with the caregiver and and you take that time, that 45 minutes, that hour, that hour and 10 minutes, depending on the person that's coming in. Yes. And you said in your situation with Doc was his name? Yes. That he needed 24-hour care. So you're doing it with two caregivers a day, and it's not necessarily the same caregiver as yesterday. So you're talking about saving a, a pretty substantial amount of time in a week. That, that is correct. That, that is where I decided to step in because I seen like the look on his his son's face and like it's crazy how caregivers can take on so much and you know very little of what's going on in a sense. Mm-hmm. But I saw it because I was there, you know, I was there firsthand there and I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll take that on. But these guys like it's frustrating. It's scary. Then you get into this place of just fear of not knowing who's going to come, fear of. I'm not knowing what's going to happen. And then there it becomes this frustration. Not again. I got to I gotta go through this again. I got to repeat the same information. But you know that it's important that you do it. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So people can sign up uh, off of your website, yes? Yes, they can sign up, um, download on the website, sign up. And, and we will put a link to your website on our show websites. Okay. So people can always reach back in touch. Yes. And Mike... I I got to tell you, hearing you talk and so many of the things that you're saying, we dealt with. Yeah. And if we dealt with it, there's a million and 17 other caregivers out there dealing with it right. and going through that memory. So totally, totally thank you for coming on board and, and speaking with us and our listeners today. I appreciate you. You know, we always learn a lot. We learned what we didn't know, even though now we know we didn't know it. <laughs> but we also learned something very special in that there's there's help and there's relief and there's information and there's a tool that caregivers can start using right away. And we have to thank you for that, Mike. Thank you. I appreciate you guys, both of you. Well, one of the things that I wrote down is why continue to do things the way people have always done it when there's a resource that provides information and tools that make it easier. You can continue to use your notebook because you have valuable information in that, but then you can also have this additional resource that you can use. And this app, I have to say, is packed with so many tools that caregivers need and can use that make that a much easier transition for all of us. And one of the things he said was, right now they're in the proof of concept. And having been in the R&D arena with um, the government for 31 years, I know how important the proof of concept is to provide the way forward. And it's not much different than, say, a clinical trial of, of a new drug where you're, you're gathering information. So anybody that could go out and uh, take advantage of the, um, the early sign-up and help with the proof of concept, it's just going to be a benefit to caregivers, even more benefit to the caregivers down the road. And they can play a part in that. And that's really, really important. It absolutely is. And I have to believe that Mike, and the way that he's dedicated to supporting this ever-growing community in the way that his brain works 
in finding creative solutions, this is not the only time we're going to hear from Mike. You betcha. You can find more information about Mike and links to his website on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that dot show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.